What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Uptempo Podcast. It's me coming to you live. I'm your host, Blake Lane. Another great episode tonight, getting the BYU insider out at KSL Sports on, Mitch Harper. Does a really, really good job breaking down this episode, talking about the BYU Cougars and giving you a really, really good take on what they expect in the 2022 season. And and he talks a little bit about Kalani Sataka and the new contract and the BYU AD being all in and the the fan base wanting him to really excel and and take this team uh, as far as they can go and and he talks about what Zach Wilson meant to the program and, and Jaron Hall stepping in at QB last year and what's his expectations in the 2022 season, what kind of leader he is on and off the field. And then we talk about who replaces Tyler Algier. They're all-American running back. He leaves to go uh, to the NFL draft, and they hit the transfer portal. And, and then we talk about the daunting schedule that they play in 2022 and what's the expectations. And he's straight up realistic about it. He'll, he'll tell you um, uh, he, he hits you right in the mouth with it. And he says, hey, nine to ten wins. All right, I'm going to be straight up with you. And, and, and double-digit wins would be a huge success for our program. And he breaks down the defensive side of the ball and what they have coming back and the injuries that they dealt with and a little bit of their inconsistencies last year. So I really think you're going to like this piece, and I'm going to give it to you right now, not waiting any longer. Here you go. What's up, everybody? And today we are joined by a special guest by the name of Mitch Harper. And Mitch is a BYU insider at KSL Sports. And uh, he also does some things with 247. And uh, I'm really excited to have you on, Mitch. How are you doing tonight? Doing great, Blake. Uh, happy to be on with you. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Anytime to get the chance to talk some college football in, in March, I'm, I'm always game. All year long, you know, I'm down to talk some college football. So happy to be on with you. Yeah, man, I'm I'm actually sitting here uh, getting ready for my Auburn Tigers to take the court at Mississippi State uh, and SEC regular season uh, championship on the line in basketball and uh, possible one seed. So it's uh it it is basketball season in Auburn right now, and and uh, but you know in SEC country, man, we always enjoy football 365 days a year. So yeah, definitely, man, Mitch. Um, you know, first thing I want to I want to talk to you about it is I want you to give my listeners uh, a little bit about your journey and how long you've been doing this out at BYU and and uh, when you really uh, got the idea to 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 cover the the game of college football, man. Yeah, no, it's it's a great question and and it's uh, it's a meaningful one to me because uh, you know growing up uh, loving college football and and loving college sports in general as a kid, I always wanted to. Uh, work uh, in some capacity covering the sport and, you know, being so close to BYU uh, as a kid, I, I followed it very closely and, you know, went to school and, and uh, you know, pursued the, the traditional mediums. But uh, honestly, I started things off uh, back in during the Jimmer for debt years. When we oh, talk wow. about basketball. <laughs> I, I launched a, uh, I launched a podcast with a, uh, uh, a roommate of mine and we were talking BYU sports and, uh, from there, uh, built up a little bit of a social media following and, and uh, you know, created written content and, and networked and things like that. And, and now, you know, covering BYU sports full time. It's a great gig and, and working at a place like KSL is just a, a true blessing because out here in Utah, KSL is a, you know, kind of a blue chip brand. It's mm-hmm. a legacy radio home of BYU sports. So, 
Uh, it's pretty special. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, hard work uh, to, to get to this point, but uh, very grateful to uh, cover a, a program like BYU because it's a fan base that is uh, incredibly passionate despite being uh, for so many years outside of power conferences. Mm-hmm. It's had such a strong reach both nationally and, and worldwide. And uh, so it's, it's, I'm really fortunate to be covering BYU sports. Man, that's amazing. Uh, it, it's And like I, I told you in the little pre-show before we started recording, man, I really, really respect BYU and, and just the uh, – pick up and play anybody anywhere at any time. And it's absolutely incredible. I, I think in the COVID year, didn't y'all go over to coastal Carolina and, and pick up and play them? They did. And, and it was, uh, you know, on the fly, you know, 72 hours before kickoff, they, they decided they, they wanted to play that game because Liberty backed out from that coastal game and, and coastal still wanted to keep it because of college game day and BYU needed uh, an extra resume boost, if you will, to try to make a case to be in the New Year's Six. So, yeah, BYU's always had the mindset of they just want the chance to prove themselves up against the, uh, you know, the greatest programs uh, mm. in, in college football and in college sports in general. I mean, hopefully someday BYU and Auburn can, can lock up on the gridiron. <laughs> I know that's uh, – I, I, mean, I know back in the day, I think it was like 2008, 2009, there were mm. some rumblings of a potential BYU and Auburn home-and-home home oh. back when BYU was in the Mountain West. But uh, – you know, it'd be really cool to see BYU down on the plains one of these years. Man, that would be awesome. Uh, you know, on social media, y'all's baseball field, it gets thrown around as like one of the best uh, scenes in college baseball with the mountains back there and everything. And I've just always wanted to go out there, man. It looks so special. And uh, the football stadium, just it looks crazy on TV, man. Uh, absolutely incredible. But Mitch, it is a Oh, go it ahead. Is a picture X, it is a picturesque, picturesque stadium. I uh, highly recommend it. I mean, sometimes I think uh, folks like myself out here, be growing up uh, in Utah, take it for granted. You know, just being uh, up against the the Wasatch Mountains. But yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a great scene for uh, you know a Saturday in the fall. Uh, not many better settings uh, from a picturesque side of things than uh, the Lavelle Stadium at BYU. Man, that's awesome, Mitch. Uh, man. Getting into the football thing, uh, one thing I, I do want to ask you uh, is what did Zach Wilson mean to that BYU program? Just uh, the way, you know, the Heisman and, and, you know, the number two overall pick and the way he played for BYU, he just absolutely gave his whole heart to that program. Could you talk a little bit about that? Zach was uh, it was a significant piece to what BYU um, honestly, is, is their their future? Because uh, you think about you know when when Zach Wilson you know, showed up at BYU and in 2018 they were four nine football program. Kalani mm-hmm. Satake was on the hot seat and and you know Zach Wilson instilled a belief that a program with such a rich history at the quarterback position uh, could have that level of success once again. I think many people just felt that that was a thing of the past and BYU's glory years mm-hmm. uh, were just a distant memory. But, uh, you know, Zach uh, infused a lot of excitement. Now, it wasn't easy because, uh, you know, in 2019, he was dealing with the, the, the shoulder surgery and mm-hmm. he was never 100%. And they got to the point where, you know, some fans were even saying like, hey, he should probably be the backup or hit the bench and, and some other guys wow. should step up and be the starter. But, uh, you know, there was always a belief from Kalani Satake, the the head coach, the Cougars, and offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, that Zach was going to be a special player. I mean, they recruited him and, and knew about him when he was in fifth grade. And, and uh, wow. you know, Zach Wilson, um, 
you know, talented, talented football player. His arm talent was elite from the moment he set foot on campus. I mean, I remember watching his first spring practice at BYU and just the way he operated, the, the velocity behind his passes, the way his mechanics. I mean, he just always has had just a, a passion for football. And, uh, you know, with that 2020 season, it was great to see him rewarded because uh, it was just a, a fantastic display. And I know the strength of schedule was was weak, but the fact mm-hmm. that BYU cobbled together a schedule amidst the pandemic was pretty remarkable in and of itself. And uh, to, see, to see Zach slinging like he did, it was a huge source of pride for BYU and I think also for Zach too. Man, it was amazing. Special player, and uh, I, I enjoy watching him in the NFL, and, and hopefully the Jets can – can get him some help up there, man. Um, Mitch, man, I, I want to talk a little bit about Kalani Sataki, like you mentioned uh, just a minute ago, and and him being on the hot seat, and now him, you know, having these back to back ten win seasons and getting a new contract, and uh, BYU's AD coming out saying that he backs him a hundred percent, and they want him to be there for a long time, man. Uh, that, that that's special, and uh, and could you could you hit a little bit on that? Kalani is the is the perfect fit for BYU, and you know I think mm. there was there was some legitimate talks between him and Oregon and and uh, in the coaching carousel this past winter. But mm-hmm. uh, you know I think deep down Kalani always wanted to be at BYU. I think he he used a little bit of the success that BYU's had these past couple of years as some leverage to kind of get BYU to be a little bit more forward thinking when it comes to allocating resources to the football program uh, because, you know, for BYU, they've always had a, a history of success. Uh, they've always been a winning program, but they kind of operated it with the mindset of do more with less. And mm-hmm. now going, you know, and we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on it soon, but, uh, you know, BYU's upcoming move to the Power Five, uh, they're going to have to uh, invest a lot more. And Kalani, knowing that uh, what he's done to this point has probably been overachieving based on the fact that, they're outside a power conference. They're not having the resources that some of their P5 peers mm-hmm. are currently investing. He knew they needed to get it up to speed in some areas. So I think he used his leverage, talked to an Oregon, talked to a Washington uh, to kind of fill things out. But deep down, he always has wanted to be a BYU. I mean, when he mm-hmm. took the job in 2016, you know, he even said that he, he bleeds blue. He grew up a BYU fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a BYU player under Lavelle Edwards and, uh, this place means the world to him. And he even said that, you know, he wants to one day be the Polynesian Lavelle Edwards. And I think mm. the fact that he now has the chance to be the first BYU head coach to lead BYU football into an era of Power 5 distinction, that's a huge source of pride for him, and he wants to uh, take it to new heights. Man, speaking about the Power 5 and the move to the Big 12 – next season what is the fan base feeling about the move to the big 12 and and ultimately just the entire program what's the feel around there oh they are just beyond excited you know when when there was talks of uh you know shortly after texas and oklahoma you know the the leak from a&m that Mm -hmm. they're going to go to the sec um you know there was this sense the sentiment from some pockets of the byu fan base and byu media saying does does the does BYU really need the Big Twelve? They can continue as an independent. I'm thinking, absolutely, they need the Big Twelve. Like, look, <laughs> independence has been great for BYU. It honestly has been. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect fit because with BYU being a, a faith based institution, they're, they're kind of different. Let's mm-hmm. face, let's call it what it is. That's a being an LDS school and not having Sunday play. It's just like they kind of operate in their own silo, if you will. And mm-hmm. you know, independence served its purpose, but in this next wave of 
whatever the playoff ends up looking like, whether it ends up being 12 teams or whatever, you need alliances. You need individuals or teams or universities, uh, you know, to go to bat for you. And BYU really had no advocate for the, for that for BYU other than themselves being an independent. Now they join the Big 12 Conference, and yeah, it's going to be uh, financially a lot less money probably than what they were making in the days with Texas and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a windfall of money compared to what BYU's been used to, and. I think they get the, they have the feeling that uh, they can go in there and you know compete and no be competitive in a league that uh, you know features will have some good football programs. But mm-hmm. uh, with BYU's history, they, they feel like they've got the chance to uh, you know go in there and contend. Maybe not right away mm-hmm. for a title, but uh, they're not going to be a seller dweller. They think they're going to be uh, someone that's going to be week in week out pretty competitive in that league. Well, Mitch, speaking of that and, and all the talent BYU has, man, and, and looking at this coming up season, the returning talent, I think I saw something like y'all have like 18 out of 22 starters coming back or something like that along those lines. I mean, you know, and what, what you guys did last year. Um, and I want to talk about the quarterback, man, uh, Jaron Hall, and just what kind of a leader and – what is his expectations coming into this 2022 season with the season he had last year? I remember watching the Baylor game, man. He put on an absolute show. Um, and just and like I said, man, off the field, what what is this kid like to that program? Yeah, kind of a quiet, uh, you know, shy guy, but he's gotten comfortable in the spot now. He, mm-hmm. he now is embracing the spotlight. He's getting more of a – uh, kind of a social media presence and being more out there. I think he now you know feels confident and comfortable that he is the face of BYU football offensively. And I think you know Jaron runs a a very simple offense. The offense coordinator Aaron Roderick is it, he runs a a quarterback friendly system that's pretty basic. I think they're going to throw a lot more at Jaron mm-hmm. this year. But uh, there's a feeling that you know he's going to be a you know potential NFL draft pick as well. And uh, you know the way he was. Uh, protected the football about four to one, you know, touchdown to INT ratio, mm-hmm. and to step in with a schedule that had seven P5s replacing Zach Wilson. He did mm. a pretty dang good job. Yes, he did. All things considered, throwing for over 2,500 yards last season. So there's a sentiment because of all that returning experience, number two nationally, according to Bill Connolly's uh, SP ratings uh, for returning productions. Mm. Uh, you know, BYU's got a chance, especially offensively. To be an explosive group, uh, you know, because the receivers that Jaron Hall will have is one of the best wide receiver in BYU's had. I think, yes. you know, from in the last quarter century with Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney, they got this kid named Cody Epps who's going to be a star. He got a little bit of interest as far as recruiting-wise uh, from, uh, you know, from Oklahoma. He was also recruited by Oregon. His top mm. high school, um, he was playing at modern-day high school, Cody Epps was, and his quarterback – Slinging him the rock was Bryce Young. And oh, wow. Day, Cody Epps was the number one target. He's going to be a name to keep an eye on that's going to emerge as a freshman. He's been around the program with the COVID year and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's dealt with injuries, but he's going to be ready to burst on the scene this year. And the offensive line uh, might be the biggest strength for BYU because uh, they, they bring back uh, uh, offensive tackle and Blake Freeland, who many believe he's a future NFL draft pick potentially next year and a wealth of experience. And then on top of it, they add a five-star transfer portal prospect in Kingsley Sulamata'ia from mm. Oregon. So BYU has got a big, humongous offensive line to protect Jared and keep him upright. 
because I think there's there's many people on the outside would think, oh, Jaron's a run-first quarterback. That's not him at all. Mm-hmm. He's a pass-first-minded QB. BYU doesn't want to run him much at all. They want to keep mm-hmm. him upright, protect him, and if he can stay healthy over the course of an entire season, uh, BYU should be a really good football team. Now, the questions are going to lie on the defensive side, mm-hmm. particularly in the front seven, because there was games last year against a UAB, against a, a mm-hmm. Baylor, and Boise State. Those teams beat BYU physically, and I think the, the loss to UAB in the bowl game was kind of a hit to BYU's pride a little bit and their ego. And like, hey, you're kind of put on notice defense. Like, you got to step it up mm-hmm. and match the level of play that the offense is performing at. So the defense is where the questions are going to lie, but they bring back a lot of experience as well. And I think there's a feeling that because of that experience, uh, they have the ability to maybe do a lot better job this year than what they did statistically last season. Mitch, man, um, you know, looking at y'all's backfield last year and Tyler Algier, man, um, an incredible All-American running back, just did things that were uh, just insane, man. Uh, it, it was it was so much fun to watch him play. And, uh, you know, looking into the 2022 season, he goes pro. How do you replace a guy like that, man? It's hard to do, and the, I think the, the good thing is in this era of college football is that the transfer portal is always armed and ready with some with some skilled player talent. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's tough to find uh, elite linemen in the portal, but man, the skill positions are always loaded in that portal. And BYU got a pretty good one in Cal transfer Christopher Brooks, who uh, back in 2019 almost ran for a thousand yards, led. Berkeley in, in rushing yards that season mm-hmm. kind of was dealing with a little bit of uh, a running back by committee the past two years in mm-hmm. large part due to some of his injuries uh, but I got my eyes on him for the first time in person uh, in spring practice this week and uh, he is a big uh, back you know Algier was about 5'11 mm-hmm. uh, Chris, Chris Brooks kids he's about 6'2 and, and uh, he loves to invite contact similar to Algier got pretty good top end speed as well not as fast as Algier but mm-hmm. uh I think he could be a pretty good replacement. I don't think he's going to – I'm not ex- expecting him to come in and, and be a single-season rushing leader like Algier was going for over 1,600 yards a season ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think BYU's off, or BYU's running backs, whether it's Chris Brooks, Lopini Katoa, Jax McChesney, one of those three guys, uh, they're going to be pretty good because, again, that offensive line, I think it's going to be one of the best O-lines out west in college football this year. So I think that bodes well. And if they can stay healthy, that's going to be the key. And, and you know, BYU's health has been a real issue. It yes. has tested their depth when they're outside the P5s. The depth is not as just – it's not as loaded as, mm-hmm. as what you expect from a Power 5 program. And, and there's a feeling that, uh, you know, around the program from the coaches and players that uh, they're deeper this year. And we'll see if, if that uh, holds true after they deal with some injuries. Well, Mitch, man, uh, talking about all the depth and everything, man, this schedule I'm looking at is absolutely daunting. I mean, and like I mentioned earlier, man, I just so much respect. Y'all play uh, anybody, anywhere, anytime, and I absolutely love it, man. Could you, uh, could you, you know, touch on on the expectations for the 2022 season and and give us some of the opponents that you guys play? It's it's a the expectations are going to be. I think double-digit wins is kind of the expectation. Now, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, nine wins I think would be a really good year too, or mm-hmm. maybe even eight because those opponents that we're touching on, uh, five power fives, but I think the depth and the quality of these P5s is good. Mm-hmm. When you look at Baylor, Notre Dame, Arkansas, 
Um, this it, 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 it's going to be a really loaded um, group. And then you got games against Boise State, uh, Stanford at the back end of the season. And Stanford was a dumpster fire last year, but <laughs> at seasons in, maybe they could be a, a little bit better. Uh, than what they pr- produce. So uh, it, it's a good schedule. And I think the game against Notre Dame is going to be fascinating uh, in Vegas in October. I know yes. that's a game that BYU was badly wanting for so many years. They've been waiting for you know 12 or so years to get the Irish. They wanted mm-hmm. them in Provo, but ultimately it ends up in Vegas, which is okay because uh, I think that'll be a, a cool environment there at Allegiant Stadium, home of the Raiders. But uh, the Baylor game, too, in week two, uh, could tell a lot about, I think, the trajectory of both of those teams. You mm-hmm. know, BYU uh, somehow gets revenge against their future Big 12 rival. Uh, it can set the stage for BYU to be in the national conversation uh, in that first month of the season. And because after after Baylor, it uh, lightens up a little bit with some games against the, you know, like Wyoming and, and Utah State and, and things like that. Also, but there's a game against Oregon, too. Uh, so it's going to be a daunting schedule uh, again. It's going to test BYU, but uh, uh, as far as expectations, I'd say nine wins. I think would be really good okay. for this BYU team. I just I think there would be a little bit higher expectations if there was more confidence uh, on the defensive side. Because mm-hmm. again, as I touched on earlier, that's that's where some of the issues lie. Because scheme wise, you know BYU was kind of conservative. Uh, and many fans have felt that way about BYU the past couple of years, and it got exposed at times. And uh, can they be a little more aggressive, kind of force some more turnovers, and create more opportunities for the offense? If they can, uh, then, then yeah, 10, 11 wins could potentially be on the table. Man, nothing wrong with that, man. Uh, 11, 10, 9 wins. Uh, the way BYU's been rolling, can't be mad about that with, the, with that schedule, man. Um, Mitch, one question I want to ask you outside of of BYU, and, and I know it's been a hot topic in college football here lately, uh, the the not expanding to eight or maybe 12 teams until 2026. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, man? And, and should it stay at four or should they expand? It should absolutely expand. Mm-hmm. I think it should go to 12 because, um, you know, it, I want to see a national sport in college mm-hmm. football. And I think that, you know, there should be a lot of kudos and, and, and commend uh, commend guys like you know Greg Sankey from the SEC that uh, he's willing to you know put aside maybe just the the best interest of the SEC for the good of college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, having a whole entire nation I- embracing college football, it's needed. You know, being out here out in out in the West, Salt Lake City is a is a college football uh, minded market. It really is. It's one of the underrated markets in I think mm-hmm. in college football. But uh, you get to California and you get to, to Arizona. They, they don't care. They don't, yeah. they don't care about, uh, you know, college football because I think there's just this feeling that their teams are out of sight and out of mind. Maybe, you know, USC will uh, invigorate some life again with Lincoln Riley showing up out there. But uh, it needs to go to 12. And I think that, uh, you know, these, these conferences just got so bent out of shape, these new commissioners in, in the alliance over, you know, Sankey apparently, you know, not telling them, the full scope of the realignment deal, but it's like, just move on. Like it, it's going to have to eventually, mm-hmm. um, you know, expand after what, 2026, just get it done. Just make it happen. Mm-hmm. Because I think the, the, the interesting angle going forward now, I think for uh, a program like BYU and maybe the big 12 conferences, they'll be joining in 2023 is 
does the Big 12 get squeezed out of a potential, you know, power five level uh, distribution share of Mm -hmm. revenue? I think that's going to be one of the interesting dynamics in the next playoff. Will the Big 12 get an equal share like the SEC, like Mm -hmm. the Big 10? Or, you know, better yet, does, you know, if the Alliance still wants to dig their heels into some, you know, angles that they're, whatever they're, they're barking about, does the SEC just say they're going to have their own playoff? And the Big 12 <laughs> has been in lockstep with the SEC. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you still got Notre Dame, Jack Swarbrick, who's been on board with what the Big 12 and SEC want to do. So I think there's a lot of components to it. And, and hopefully, you know, there's enough parties that get on the same page for the good of college football because, you know, we're, we're having this conversation because I think we're two guys that, that generally love the, the game. We mm-hmm. love college football. We love college athletics. And it's just like, uh, we want this postseason uh, to just you know be enhanced. Like you know, we're always going to tune in, we're always going to watch. No but doubt. It's just like to just feel like you know, it's like it's determining a true national champion, and you know, it's like, and, and I feel like you know, just I'm trying to tap into the mind of like an Auburn fan right now. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the future of a 16 team SEC, and if it's only a 14 playoff, and that is just so difficult for. I mean, anyone to get to that 14 playoff, it's difficult. But to try to navigate a 16-team SEC that now has Texas and Oklahoma, and you still got the traditional rivals with Georgia, Bama, LSU. Like, I mean, come on. Like, that, that's just like, you got to open that thing up to 12, make some at-large bids. Because, you know, a 9-3 and SEC team in a lot of years is uh, could probably be more than worth uh, <laughs> to be in that 12-team playoff. So, yeah, I want to see a 12-team playoff. Absolutely. I think it's got to happen. And, uh Hopefully it does around that 2026 mark. Man, Mitch, uh, that was really good stuff. And and people are slowly starting to turn me on it And because I've always been a four-team guy. Um, just just give me two SEC teams in there and everybody else. Uh, I'm a little bit of an SEC homer, I would say. Uh, uh, I just – you know, Alabama and Georgia playing in the, in the national championship is just what I want to see and the rematch and everything. But – I also want teams to, you know, for them to expand and and people are starting to flip me on it. And, you know, everybody else has a expanded playoff when you look at it, every sport, um, you know, and you look at the NFL, they expanded. um, And and we see the the excitement with the upsets in college basketball. You had a 16 seed beat a one seed for the first time a couple of years ago. And, um, I just think that it would cause um, a little bit more excitement with the with the the bowls kind of falling off a little bit over here the the past couple of years and players sitting out and and things like that. Man, uh, it just kind of takes it kind of takes a little bit of the spice out of college football when you're watching uh, you know when you're watching backups uh, starters sit out and stuff and it's just. Sometimes to me, it's not as exciting, man. So I would like to see it expand. It's you're right. I mean, the postseason of college football has just taken a massive step back. Uh, you know, it's it's crazy too how it just over overnight it feels like you know after you know, was it uh, Christian McCaffrey you know, opted out of a Sun Bowl and mm-hmm. these bowl games just become become kind of irrelevant. Like your teams are just generally not interested in these games. It was you know like out here in, in Utah, you know Utah goes to the Rose Bowl. And, you know, Utah fans were beyond excited. Like, it was a big deal for, the, for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, for Ohio State, it was like they, they, they were down 25 scholarship guys and their fan base turned back 7,000 tickets. And you go, that's Ohio State <laughs> turning away thousands of tickets to the Rose Bowl. Like, mm-hmm. come on, like that. 
that's just it's insane. And that's where you then raise questions about what needs to be done, uh, you know, in college football. I just think that simply the because I, I I think you're right that you know it's going to more times than not be two SEC teams. I yep. think in the national championship. I mean, I'm I'm a West guy, but uh, man, I, I there's nothing better than watching SEC football. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is the best league. It is. I mean, and mm-hmm. it, it, because so many people out here in Utah, they, they try to knock the SEC and, and things like that. You just go, All right, folks, are you not paying attention to what's <laughs> happening? And like, I mean, we've seen enough of a body of work over the last, you know, 15, 20 years that that is the best league and it's never going to slow down. Um, and I th- and I hope that for the Big 12's sake, because they're in hyper-focused college markets, being aligned in some capacity with the SEC uh, could be beneficial for the Big 12 and maybe to a lesser extent the SEC if they ever want to step out of their conference and play some non-conference games in the future. But, but yeah, the playoff needs to expand uh, because uh, it, just giving that hope and that op- uh, that access, I think, would do a world of good for these teams. Like BYU still would be a similar spot where most likely they'll probably never win it. And it'll probably be mm-hmm. a, a situation where two SEC teams are going to always play for it. But just the ability to say, hey, hang a banner that you went to the playoff. I think that would be a huge thing, kind of like NCAA tournament bids. Like just simply getting in that field and having a chance to say, you're playing for the national title. You got 60 minutes to go prove it out on the field. Mm-hmm. That would just do a world of good for, I think, the fan bases, the, the commitment from boosters to want to donate and invest money, whether it be into these teams or the players through NIL deals. I think it would just be good for just the ecosystem of college football and more people would be engaged rather than, well, it's going to be a four-team playoff and half of the field's going to be in the SEC and, you know, some Power 5 champs are going to be relegated to a bowl game they don't want to be at. Like, that's just not good for college football. Mm -hmm. We need to have it where all these power conference champs, some access to group of five, and a bunch of quality at-larges are going out and playing for a national title. I think it would just be a world of good for the sport. Welcome back, everybody. And Mitch, man, uh, talking on your uh, your playoff expansion, man, you uh, you have started uh, turning me the other way to maybe expanding the playoffs from eight, maybe 12 teams. And uh, I agree with you 100% there, man. And and I've really enjoyed this episode, you coming on and, and giving us some great BYU football content and uh and if you could man could you could you let my listeners know where they could find you on social media twitter whatever man yeah twitter at mitch, at mitch underscore harper uh same spot on instagram as well okay and also follow at ksl sports that's where uh, a lot of my coverage is at kslsports.com okay and, K- and ksl news radio so uh uh, yeah, I stay busy with BYU, but uh, love talking anything college football as well. I try to I share some opinions on college football too from a national side. So uh, love sport awesome. and uh, love to talk love talking to passionate uh, college football minds like yourself as well, Blake. Man, I really appreciate it, Mitch. And uh, I hopefully I can get you back on here and and maybe uh and on a bye week during the season. I know I've had a couple past guests. And they've said that they'd like to come back on and do like a, a midterm grade or a little report card of how they think that their season's going and, and something along those lines. You bet. Uh, count me in. I'll, I'll be available whenever you need me. Man, that's awesome. Mitch, I really appreciate it, man. And we'll talk soon. All right. See you, Blake. Wow, everybody. That was Mitch Harper. Um, an absolute home run episode enjoyed talking BYU the Zach Wilson uh Kalani Sataki uh, uh 
Jaron Hall, just everything that BYU's got coming back. He talked about the beefed up offensive line. Could the defense um, kind of kind of create some turnovers and 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 get things going in this 2022 season? And he, he lets you know who might replace Tyler Algier. Just uh, really good stuff, man. I, I absolutely enjoyed it. A uh, heck of a guy. Immediately hit me back when I messaged him about coming on. And uh, it was just an awesome episode hearing about BYU football. And, uh, and man, it, what a ride this has been. I mean, just getting these guys on here and, and all over the country – talking some some great college football and these guys just spitting their knowledge and and uh, and just can't believe that that I'm actually doing this so man thank you guys for listening and tuning in and if you could go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts leave a review like I always tell you to do and I thank you guys so much for listening to the Uptempo podcast and until the next one I'm out